You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. X-Men. Brother, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This, I tell you, this is your weekly X Men podcast where we take on every story. We take them all from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, I need to ask you something, brother. Yeah, what's that? You know what I had before this recording session? Uh, a beer? We'll get to that. I went down to Sonic. <laughs> And a jalapeno Ooh. burger, <laughs> a chicken fried steak sandwich, a chili cheese dog with extra onions, french fries, tater tots, wash it down with one beer, two beers, three beers, a shot of whiskey, a margarita, and a Bloody Mary. And I'm ready. <laughs> I am ready to take on this episode. I'm glad to hear it because this is episode 316. It is the end of our Attitude Era. Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah! <laughs> and can can we tell you something? We talked about a lot of things that we could do for our 316. We, we figured we could sit here. We could sit here and tell you all about the great 316 issues that have come out over time. We figured <laughs> that we could talk to you about everything that we've seen, all the rock solid stories, but instead we decided to bring our attitude to the highest level. And you know what? We can't do this one alone. Unfortunately, we need someone to step in to mediate, uh, to take care of some of the beef that we've got the feuding between Adam and I here. So <laughs> coming to us straight from WWE SmackDown, it's Jason Ayers. Hey guys, what's going on? How's it going? Uh, so that that uh, that dinner sounds like a recipe for heartburn at my age. To be completely honest with you, <laughs> listen, listen. If if it's if it's good enough for some people, it's good enough for me. Uh, I'm I'm here. I'm ready for it, and I'm ready to talk to you about some fantastically interesting comics that I think I think really embody some of the ideas of an attitude era that may or may not exist in some forms of media. Now, when, when you hear the words attitude era, Jason, what do you think of? Well, I mean, obviously in my world, attitude era, you think the nineties, you think, uh, the late nineties, the early two thousands, you think extreme, you think, uh, pushing the limits, you know, much like the, the WWE attitude era was in the, the late nineties. And I think these books that you picked out today, interesting is definitely the word. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely one way of putting it uh but yeah attitude uh it, yeah okay we'll go with that i would i would just i like to think that these were books that at their time also wanted to push the limits in some of the same way that other people have pushed the limits over time oh yeah yeah and content warning listeners you're gonna hear about some sexy stuff you're gonna hear about some violent stuff you're gonna hear about some stuff that Marvel doesn't want you to know about anymore this episode. So uh, strap yourselves in. This is going to get rough. It is going to get rough. And it's going to get rough <laughs> thanks to our Patreons. Our patrons make this show possible. No one picked this episode except for us. So sorry, patrons. This one this one is just because of a bit. Uh, folks, if you don't... I'm going to get behind the curtain for a second. Guys, it's, it's, there, there was a gentleman in the late 90s. His name was, his name was Stephen Austin... And he he once yelled at a man that he said, essentially, John 316, stupid. This is Austin 316. It says, <laughs> I just whooped your ass. And it became like a catchphrase for a lot of people over the time. So now that's the dual meaning of 316 in this world. That's why we're doing this. Bit. It's a whole thing. OK, back to back to I've been waiting 16 episodes, 17 episodes <laughs> for people to understand that joke. And I needed people I who didn't already get it to know it now. Adam didn't know it for a little while. Man, I don't know. I that that was not. My I don't know era. either. I just have wrestling friends that I've picked up a handful of things from. <laughs> I think the context really brings it all together, though. 
Yeah, exactly. See, Jason gets it. Jason yeah. gets it. Well, so I would, I would, I would hope Jason gets it. I feel professionally he's obligated to understand if I know something. Here's here's the wrestling things I know. I know about that. I know about Rey Mysterio because my son continues to talk about him doing a lot of flips. R- Macho Man Randy Savage, who was in Spider-Man. I also know about that. <laughs> it's a strong start. I feel like it's a good foundation. Yeah. Before we start with our first book, um, Jason, right before we went on air, we were admiring your comic book collection. So do you want to just give us a sense of... Um, yeah, give us your you bona know, fides on comics. Yeah, why, why are you okay. X-Men? What's, what's your X-Men story? Well, so, you know, I've been a comic collector, obviously, since I was a kid, right? Just okay. kind of so say we all, right? Um, growing up, it was always comics and wrestling. And as you can see, one turned into a career, the other turned into a hobby. I'll let you pick which is which. But, um, it, you know, always kind of gravitated towards X-Men books and which is sort of how I found you guys, to be honest with you initially was, you know, looking mm-hmm. for podcasts to pass the time on the road. And lo and behold, there were very few good X-Men podcasts and you guys are top of the list. So Ooh, um, look at that. Look that, at that. I like we that. love that. Yeah. Wow. And, and that has absolutely okay. nothing to do with the fact that I'm on your show right now. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it, Connor. <laughs> That's why they call me the bad boy of X-Men podcasting right there. I tell you what. <laughs> that, that, that sort of thing right there, right? Uh, Connor, if you want to reach out, feel free. No, uh, so with that being said, um, as you two and nobody else in the world can see behind me here, there's uh, three file cabinets completely full of X-Men books. Um, the idea being that I'm on this crazy, horribly ill-advised mission of collecting every X-Book ever, which uh, one of the books that we're discussing today I didn't even know existed, so now it's on the list, which thanks for nine more issues that I don't really need, <laughs> but I need now. Are you... Um, I need to ask we'll Jason, to- are you are you counting X-Men books that were not traditionally published by Marvel, but are definitely uh, comic books that Chris Claremont and Salvador LaRocca drew in episodes of TV Guide? Um, well, I mean, I am now. Or are you count- <laughs> are you counting comics that only exist on uh, mini CDs that came from Burger King Kids Club meals? We're adding that to the list as well. We can every talk X later. ever, yeah. I've got, I have a, I have a bag of mini CDs that no computer can actually use at this point because no one uses optical drives. <laughs> Nobody has a CD drive anymore. No one does. And you know what? I'm okay with that. That makes sense to me. It's okay. You're still a step above the half finished Gambit novel that exists in Fabian Nessiez's 3.5 uh, floppy disk drive, you know, that he talked to us about years ago. We are so. above that. I have gotten about the secret game <laughs> novel that fabes has half finished half finished hey he's a he's like a i don't want to say he wasn't a real author but he like has multiple published novels at this point he could probably yeah. get that thing back does he really i've seen oh yeah he yeah has, he, he writes murder Fabian mysteries he, yeah he has new jersey based murder mysteries called uh mm-hmm. i think the first one's called suburban dicks yeah interesting all right i've not I'm read gonna it. assume that's uh private detectives it, I'm hoping. It is. Yeah. Listen, listen, whom amongst us has not enjoyed an innuendo from time to time? <laughs> All right. Where are we starting this week with our very extreme attitude era episode, Zach? Well, we're going to start with something that thinks innuendos are too subtle. And this is the only comic that I would say is not in coexistence with the more traditional attitude era that someone considered in wrestling. Uh, this is from 2010. It's by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost with pencils by Gabriel Delato. It is X-Force, sex and violence. What a combination. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be two honest. for the price of one. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I've got to ask, does it seem like there's a lot more of one of these things in this book than the other? I mean, it's quite the blend for sure. Um, but yeah, we we kind of skew a little bit, don't we? I'm not like against it because I don't I don't want to read Craig Kyle and Chris Yost's sexy comic, <laughs> but there is a lot of violence. I feel like this is more of an excuse for them to be like, you know how we could be bloody in X Force? What if we took that up like three levels? Is this it's really like triple X Force? Yeah, is it really that much more violent than what x-force already was though like i mean i'm thinking about this era and these are the last three issues of x-force before it switches over to uncanny uh right force with remender and i'm just wondering like 
why wasn't this just an arc? Like this had to be a mini so that they could like really go mature on it. I, it seems odd. I think it, I think it had to be a mini because of uh, second coming. Oh, interesting. The second coming was going on and they're like, no, we got to keep everything focused on second coming. Got it. Okay. Okay. Keep the baby out of it. Uh, got to keep that. Well, she's not a baby anymore. She comes back. Baby came back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, what's Jason, the deal read, here? Yeah, Jason, had you read this? Had you known about this comic beforehand? No, honest. I mean, I, I was aware <laughs> of it, but uh, reading it was not. Listen, I've got a bit of a backlog going on as it is, and uh, sex and violence isn't exactly something that's jumping to the top of the list just when I'm I'm looking at it. But it it uh, doesn't seem like it's going to be a cornerstone story of no. the era that you had to pick up on. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think this is probably a one and done. Let's be completely honest. Um, but it was, uh, you said it before, interesting. Interesting is the word. Um, the art was great. I really, I, <laughs> I enjoyed the visual. Yeah. On it. yeah. yeah let's, talk, uh, let's talk for a second about Delato. Uh, very fluid, very beautiful. Like, you know, this arc of, or this run of X4 started with Clayton Crane, who mm-hmm. I like, but if someone said, I feel like Clayton Crane's art is very static, I would say, okay, yeah, you're not wrong. Delato walks that line being very painterly and like Crane, but with some energy, with some poise, with you know some stretching and distortion where needed to really sell some of the action. I think I think this book, you know, if it's if they really just wanted, hey, let's do three kind of plotless actiony things where we can do a lot of violence. They picked a good artist to do that. Yeah, mission accomplished. I think Delato is way better than Clayton Crane, in, in, in my opinion. I, I just think that the um, the art has a similar coloring quality to it, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like everything is very um, high contrast and everything is very shiny. Doesn't matter what it is. Everything kind of looks like it has a, a, a light fluorescent light on it, right? Um, but Delato is also capable of doing sort of character work and expression work that you don't always see in the regular uh, X-Force book. So I thought it was really well drawn, actually. Um, The plot of this, relatively simple. Uh, Domino takes a job, um, doesn't realize who she's taking a job from, and it turns out that she pisses off both the Assassin's Guild and the Hand, and Wolverine has to come and help save the day. And the two of them hook up repeatedly throughout the three issues. That's pretty much all that happens. Kind of had to because otherwise it'd just be X Force violence at that point, right? Which is just X Force. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, like, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I want to comment on the uh, the sex part of this because um, there is one part of it that I think is good, and there's another part of it that I think is just kind of like, why did they do it? So you're advertising this thing as having like sexual content, right? And inevitably, they're not showing any of it. You know, there's a lot of like. Here's a sword through a guy's head, you know, here's a shooting people point blank in the face, but we're not going to show anybody with their clothes off any kind of shot. We see of anybody in a bed. Everybody's got like at least some underwear on, right? Everything is just suggestion. That part I think is like really cowardly, you know, it if you're is, gonna, I would it's, say it's a it's very, like, it's a very distillation of American attitudes towards sex oh, compared yeah. to violence. Yeah, what what the part of this that does work for me is the innuendo, right? So Craig and Yost do a very good job of kind of inserting these, uh, pun intended, uh, these little bits and phrases throughout the thing, right? Where it's like, you weren't saying that last night. And like that kind of stuff actually works in the context of this book. And it's funny. So uh, props to them for that. I just wish they like could have the pushed pattern. it a little further. I like the pat. What Adam's wanting is just full penetration, just a real, real big story here. Make this essentially a adults film. And I get that. that. I don't think that's what the Marvel comics are going to want. They are a children's underwear brand uh, on, <laughs> on the side. So I think they, they might have some boundaries they want to keep. But I agree. The pattern between Domino and Wolverine is fun. Domino is a character that sometimes doesn't get enough characterization. And I really Mm -hmm. like her in this as she's just kind of having fun. Yeah, she stole a little bit of money, 
but it was from bad people. So that's not that she, bad. She pulled a transporter and saved a, a bunch of, um, you know, human trafficked women. So good for her. And she and then got all that money. The, the problem is the Assassin's Guild is mad. So they hire a bunch of assassins, including... Well, Boomerang, Clay from Madrox, <laughs> Black Mamba, Bullet, Bushwhacker, uh, not Razor a character Fist. I've never heard of. A, Razor Fist from, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jason, do you have yes. a favorite of these random assassins that they pick out of nowhere? You know, I, I'm, I, I lean Razor Fist uh, only just because who among us doesn't want a literal Razor Fist, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like no, that you're right. so, so in handy just in everyday life. Um, maybe a little tough to to do some everyday life tasks with but uh, you know by and large yeah i think i think i'm a i think i'm a razor fist guy i might even need a shirt razor fist guy razor fist guy's a good one uh i do like razor fist boomerang's weird for me in this because boomerang's just a different character now <laughs> yeah, just... well, boomerang is like a spider-man villain that i would not have placed within this group it's... i mean right so he has become a spider-man villain he started as just like a general Marvel jobber. Like his first sure. appearance, he fought the Submariner. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Wouldn't have pl- yeah. placed him there. Boomerangs don't work well underwater. <laughs> no. Yeah. I no, boomerang. they don't. Put a fan uh. on. <laughs> hey, you know, trying. you know, hold on. Did you know that Boomerang once joined the Thunderbolts and went back to World War II to fight Nazis? Wow. Hey. Good for you, Boomerang. Good That's for great. Boomerang. I, okay. I, wow. You know what, props? I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> you know, it makes sense for a Boomerang to be a time traveler because he would always come back. Come right back. It's good. Thank good. you. Oh, Here all week. <laughs> this is just a big fight comic for three three issues. Is it anything else? Like, is there anything more to this besides it's a pretty fight comic? It It feels to me like if an 80s action flick was thrown into... 2010s mm. X continuity basically mm-hmm. just ripped completely and just thrown right in there and let's blow a bunch of stuff up and let's shoot a bunch of people and let's see what happens and we'll throw sex in there just because just yeah because. I, mean, I mean listen i can kind of see that vhs yeah this can be one of those things where like you know all of the assassin's guild uh super villains were like bodybuilders or wrestlers you know from the 80s and I, I don't know. I agree with that assessment. I think this is fun. Um, is it living up to its title? Uh, at least half of it. Yeah. And at the end, it just goes back to being an X-Force book, right? Because X-Force does come and help save Wolverine and Domino, even though Wolverine explicitly told them not to. You know what? Sometimes sometimes your faction, your crew's just got to come in, tag in, and and help you out. I think yeah, it, it almost feels like that was shoehorned in just to get us back to the uncanny X-Force launch, right? Like, like, okay, here's this, here's a self-contained story. And okay, by the way, there's X-Force. Yeah. And here's, here's the, here's the final, final hurrah of this thing, but it's pretty. And mm-hmm. I, I do think the like the big splash when it's like, and we're X-Force and it's the team page. I'm like, okay, this works. I'm, I got pumped when I saw that. They, yeah. uh, they got the pop from me. So I'm, I'm, for it, even if as a whole, the story is not amazing, but the Delato art is top notch. I agree. I agree. So we should probably take a stab at uh, ranking this Zach, mm-hmm. on our stab. big old list. What? what? You know, our big old list. What? What? You know, our big old list. Okay, I can't keep. I can't keep it up, Jason. I'm sorry. You got it. Yeah, I'm out at once. Again, this was one of the four YouTube videos I did watch in preparation for this. Was I supposed to be repeating myself or what? You're supposed to be confused because someone called Steve Austin. Oh, okay. I'll edit myself out then. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. It's fine. Leave it all in. This is live, baby. We're doing it. We're live now. We're live. I have editing uh, control. I can edit anything out of this show that I want, like all of my coughs and sneezes. But but this this entertainment program is live for the people three hours every Monday. It's not. It's an hour every Monday. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I was gonna say that wasn't on my docket for today. But uh, no. Yeah. no, 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 no. We don't. We <laughs> oh. we have never. I don't think we've ever had a three hour episode. 
Uh, maybe 300 was close. 300 wasn't even three hours long, Adam. No, no. Anyway, All anyway, right. we... We don't have 300. We have 822 X-Men stories on our list, with the best being House of X, Files of 10, number 100 being Wolverine, the Sheba scenario, number 200 being Jean Grey, Psych Force, number 300 being Cap Wolf, number 400 being The Trial of Magneto, number 500 being Claws and Webs from MCP 117 to 122, number 600 being the Daddy Boros issue of X-Factor, number 700 being Wolverine, Night of Terra, number 800 being the first appearance of Banshee, and the worst X-Men comic of all time is 29.9, where tomorrow at 822. All right, we have... Um, I ran through a lot si- of those. I'm sorry, Jason. You probably don't have this list committed to memory or Excel spreadsheet like the rest of us. I don't, but I have heard that uh, that run through a number of times. So We are going to ask your input as we go through here, though. So um, I think the first thing we can probably compare this to is at 124, Messiah War. I, I don't think this is what? as good as Messiah War. Adam, I was, I was looking at number 500, Claws and Webs, which is that... Really beautiful Sam Keith drawn Wolverine versus Venom story from Marvel Comic Presents. Again, very beautiful. Is a fight comic. Yeah. But like, I would want to, I I do sometimes want to open that up and be like, yeah, this looks cool. But you're going lower or higher than that, Zach? I don't know. Probably higher because right above that is the Otherworld arc of Uncanny X-Force. And I do Uh think this is better than that. I don't know, Jason, what are your thoughts on those? So I don't know that I've read either one of those to be completely honest with you. Um, have you not? I have not. I, I there's should, a lot Sam of, there's Keith a one lot is of pretty. blind spots. Yeah. You said that was in, uh, Marvel comics presents. Yeah. 117 yeah, like, to one twenty two. Nice. Well, from, from the way you're describing it with, you know, gorgeous visuals, but maybe a little lacking on plot. That sounds kind of right in the same wheelhouse, right? Is what we're, mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Yeah, this is this is a book that I would you know possibly go back to and, and flip through at the very least the covers on, um, if not you know very deep into the artwork. But beyond that, maybe you know a bit above that, Adam is Generation Hex, the amalgam book. See, Jason's not <laughs> yeah. a. I'm I'm a sucker for an amalgam book. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> Love he's got Generation that one. Hex. I, I feel like I, I feel like this has to go below that just just based off that fact alone. I would I would agree. Maybe better than Divided We Stand from Uncanny X Men uh, one forty nine to or four ninety five to four ninety nine, the San Francisco stuff. Mm, yeah, that was that was a rough time period. That those those later Uncannies. Yeah, we have um, at at four eighty seven. We have X X Force Volume three ninety nine to one hundred Dark Cathedral. That's um, the Demon Bear comes back, and it's got Jim Chung art, and it's really. Oh, that's X Force Volume One. I'm sorry. That's X Force um, Volume One. Yeah, yeah, we're. I, I think that's better. Yeah, I think we put it between Divided We Stand and Generation Hex. I think that's the right spot. That, that feels works right great. To you okay that with works. that, Jason? That works for me. All right, so this is gonna be our new 497 X Force Sex and Violence. And uh, oh, Zach, can you just just hold on a sec? I I was just preheating my oven. Um, oh my gosh! No, no, bad. No, Adam. No. <laughs> Y'all, we're talking about Frank Thierry Wolverine now. <laughs> Frank the Tank Thierry one once tried to fight some of my friends in a grocery store parking lot over the internet. Sure did challenge. Uh, That's true. Listen, listen. Everyone loves a good brawl. Everyone loves a good brawl. I believe I believe the location was a food lion, but it was so many years ago. Some kind of parking lot in front of a supermarket, right? I got to get this story sometime. (laughs) That's pretty much the extent of the story. (laughs) There's a little bit more. There's a little bit more. I'll I'll, I'll let you know, Jason. We'll talk offline. (laughs) We'll talk offline about a few of the other details around that story. Because there's some... There's some fun stuff to it. That's all uh, that our is, audience needs to know about that story. <laughs> our audience just needs to know. There's some fun stuff around it. Frank, Frank <laughs> Thierry is probably not going to fight my friend in a parking lot of a food lion is the no. general gist. He is going to have written Wolverine in the year 2000. This is, so I want to call it Revolutions Era, but Revolutions Era Wolverine was supposed to be the Rob coming back. And, uh, Spoiler alert for his uh, ability to be consistent on a book in the late 90s. I'm sorry, just in the 90s? He got... Ever? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they were they were they were banking on that. Regardless, Frank Thierry and Sean Chen come in. This is their first arc, and what they do is they introduce a bunch of new new guys for Wolverine to fight. Uh, there's a and bunch gals. of new dudes, bunch of bunch of gals. Uh, first off, they're terrible in this comic, but I honestly think they have a lot of potential. They're a great tag team. They're the Lady Killers. It's T and A. What a name. <laughs> what a name. I love the wordplay on it. You mean... I don't... I noted down here. You mean Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn? Right. Because that's all that Frank Thierry's doing here with these two. I don't think he is because Harley Quinn wasn't that big of a factor in early 2000s. Like, I think no. he's pulling from the same sexy, sexy fighty lady thing. But like... Harley Quinn, I don't even know, had hit, like, regular DC by then. Or if she had, she had just hit it. Ooh, now I want to know. When Because, what, Harley animated series Quinn would have been 93 to 98 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. Um, she doesn't make <laughs> it till, no, 1999. Pretty Ooh, is, sure. that, is that the Batman Adventures, or is that a... No, Batman Adventures is 93. Yeah, that would have been pretty contemporary with the series, right? Make it to DC Universe. Let's see. Hold on. The good folks at Bat Chat are yelling at us. 1999, Batman Harley Quinn number one by Paul Dini and Yvelle Guichet. So it would have been before this. I'm not not out of my mind. You're not out of your mind, but I think it's more parallel thought than it is a discrete reference. Regardless, these are bad characters. Oh my god, they are terrible. poorly written. I bet you though. I bet you they could be in good comics today. I bet you there is there are writers out there that could do a really fun TNA book. It's not Frank Thierry, but I bet those writers are there. Jason, what's your take on Block? B L O K. Well, you know, it feels like almost window dressing to the to the TNA characters, right? Like yeah. we can't just have these two two girls out there doing girl killer stuff. We got to have a big guy with them. Interesting character. I don't know that it's one that I would want to see much more of. Not that there's much more to see really. Right. The thing about block is when you look at him, you can't see anything but him because he is an incredibly large man. He's, he's a block. If you would. Yeah. Uh, so lady killers block the major, not to be confused. Um, with another character we'll talk about in our third story. But um, these characters are all out to test Wolverine and push him to his limits. Why? Well, because there's a gentleman. And oh. he's heard that Wolverine is the best there is at what he does. And he's issuing a challenge to all of the X-Men superstars saying, you know, you're on my list. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you. His name? Mr. X. <laughs> now mr x is not named in this arc correct he remains anonymous wolverine calls him mr x at the end of it he says i'm just gonna call him mr x what else should okay. we call a mystery guy and i've got to be honest wolverine that's you need to disambiguate that uh you're on a team led by a mr x <laughs> like it's poor. X is poor X, that's bad branding. That's bad branding right there. X is your thing. So would that make the the block and crew the X Men, if you will? Exactly. Right. Like it. Just, uh, I think I think it's more of a degeneration of uh, of, of X. the X brand. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a degeneration of X. Yeah. 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 Closer. Closer around there. We'll we'll throw the of in there just so there's no trademark issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please don't, please don't sue me. Please don't sue me. <laughs> Mr. X is hilarious because he's basically like this white male fantasy. Like, what if I went out and studied every martial art real hard for like a year? Then I could be the best ever and and know how to use swords and and, and kill anything. And yet, in Frank Thierry's world, that's exactly who this character is, and he is able to not only beat up Wolverine, but turn him into like his dojo partner for life, I guess. It's a contract match. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> he pulls out a contract at the end and says, you got to sign it now, Wolverine. Quite literally, yeah. You know, I, I know some guys that uh, pulled that same kind of stunt of let's study every martial art for a year and absolutely got destroyed when they were in a real fight. So I don't know where we're <laughs> where this guy's training at. But uh... See, the thing about Mr. X is he's never getting over. He no. is never getting over. They keep trying to. Frank Thierry loves Mr. X. Keeps pushing him. Heck, Jim Zub, no joke. Jim Zub did a Mr. X comic in the last three years. Uh, it was last year. It was in 2022. Doesn't Mr. X end up on the Thunderbolts? Yes. Mr. X also ends up on the Thunderbolts. I Crazy. Andy Diggle's Thunderbolts. I, y'all, I've not read Thunderbolts. I've it's just amazing that anyone Declan, would want this character to come back because he sucks. Awful. Declan Shalvey drew a bunch of Thunderbolts, and he's one of my favorite artists out there. And I'm like, eh, do I want to read that? I don't. <laughs> do I want to read the Thunderbolts? I heard. I heard that. I heard that Jeff Parker's Thunderbolts is actually really good, and I'd probably enjoy it. But still, I don't care for Mr. I don't know. X. Once you put your dog in the oven. Because you love murder so much, I'm out. There's no coming back from that. No. Yeah, let's... So that does happen. Uh, He, as a child, commits animal violence by putting a dog in the oven. And, like, if that's implied, that's one thing. The comic goes out of the way to show you. Yeah, no, like, graphically (laughs) show you this dog having a bad day. And I don't love that. It's, Mm -mm. It's, like, legitimately upsetting that they put this in the comic to push the limits as much as they can to try and sell you on Mr. X being the real big bad guy for Wolverine. And look, people keep trying to come up with Wolverine's new arch nemesis and they keep and like in this one, very literally they have Mr. X beat up Sabretooth and say, I'm cooler than you. Mm-hmm. I don't buy and it. That, it just, it doesn't scan at least like Solemn is entertaining. Like, he's yeah. not going to be Wolverine's next nemesis, but, it, like, Solemn showed up in a comic the other day that I wasn't expecting. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy. He's fun. <laughs> I'm never going to feel that way about Mr. X. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's bad when your character, your villain, has, like, slaughtered his parents, slaughtered every single one of his mentors, and, like, it's the dog that really always gets you, right? It's like when you watch a horror movie and you're, like, really worried about the pets. This, this oh, I don't watch scenarios. I don't watch horror movies that would scare scare me or a pet. No. Oh, okay, okay. It's, it's out. A kind of a trope the, dog, the dog's got to get through. The dog's got to get through it in the end uh, for me to enjoy a horror movie. It doesn't always happen, like, Zach. I know. What were well, they hoping they for? Was it? Was it? You know? Are they? Are they hoping for the the guy at home, the cat guy at home, to just be reading this book and be like, yeah, when they <laughs> see the dog go in the oven? Like, what? Who? Who is that? Who is that panel for? You know. I do suspect, based on the fact that either the second or the third issue does start with Wolverine and a ball gag, and panels later, it is made explicitly that Frank Thierry is referencing Pulp Fiction because one of the characters says, it's just like in Pulp Fiction. I just wonder, does Frank Thierry, like in the 90s, just love watching Reservoir Dogs and think... This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my extreme version of this, and it's going to involve a dog in an oven. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing about the pop, Pulp Fiction reference. Say what you will about Quentin Tarantino. He does tend to, like, have the violence play a role in the story. He it is being used to tell a different tale that's not just for violence sake. In Reservoir Dogs, in Pulp Fiction, like, it's not there just to be over the top. What the Frank Thierry and Sean Chen Wolverine is, is how can I be the most over the top and shocking as possible? And I think that's that's a challenge that you face in a lot of media that's like, okay, how do we push the limits? Sometimes limits are there for a reason, and you can play with the limits, and there's plenty of reason to go past the limits. But... One of the rules I have at work is like, if there's a policy, if there's a rule, it's probably stupid. There might be a good reason, but understand why it's there first. Understand why you're breaking the rule and then go ahead and break it if it still makes sense. But you got to have a good reason for it. And I don't feel like some of the the pushing that's happening here, it feels like it's just being done for the sake of being 
edgy and mature and frankly 2001 bill jemis era marvel oh so I, can we talk you, about the scene speaking of, of pushing the limits uh where he literally lights up using a human being as a, as his lighter <laughs> yes. that, that that in the in the first book of this run just kind of set the tone for me on the whole thing like i'm like oh we're going there okay yeah all right you know do you know what's the weirder thing about that this is nearly the last time Wolverine smokes a cigarette on panel. Oh, yeah. I don't know exactly when, but by by the time New X-Men comes out later this year, Jemis or not Jemis, uh, Kasada has said, hey, we're not we're not going to have all of the superheroes smoke now. OK, we're not doing it anymore. So Wolverine doesn't by then. This is. Like it's this run. This is one of like the last three cigarettes Wolverine ever has. Amazing, and it's so on a human body. Might as well light up on a human body, right? Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> going out with style. Go out with a bang. I will also say the J.H. Williams the third covers on this. Not absolutely bad. insane. I don't know that Adam. That cover to one sixty. Look at that Wolverine on that. He's a he's a weird looking dude. Well, I mean, 161 too, right? You got Mr. X posing and Wolverine jumping out of an X made of skulls. Like it doesn't, I don't know. It's such a, a difference between what's on the cover and what's actually in the book. It's I nuts. do think I it's know. worth noting, um, you know, because this is a Liefeldless episode that Extreme Studios artist Norm Rapmund is doing the inks on these three issues, which... Uh, does lend it a little Liefeldian touch. It does, but I also, I feel like Liefeld wouldn't do some of the things that is done in that. And that's an interesting thing to say. That like, no, nah, some of this is too much for the Rob. <laughs> I don't think the Rob would put the dog in the oven. No, you know? that's a Mark Miller move. Oh, boy. Yeah. Mm. This does I'm this so does feel a little Mark Miller-y, doesn't it? It's... I would say that there was a lot of stuff coming around in the late late 90s, early 2000s that were of the same breed. There was a tenor of, OK, the Cold War has been done for a while. We're a little bit aimless. We've got the, you know, that Gen X kind of, you know, disregard for everything going on. Like that was kind of culture in the zeitgeist there. So I think it's all coming in from the same place. And. You know, to take it back to a to a place of attitude era like that was that was not out of nowhere. That was part of, you know, grunge was pushing everything like MTV, the news. I don't I was I was I was a child at the time, so I don't remember. I, I remember there's like a distinct difference between August 20, 2001 and before and then the next month and after. Uh, but like. I wasn't like in the culture there, but like, I do know that the late nineties, early two thousands had a unique vibe to it that I think this comic is of a piece with. Sure. It's trying hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing something. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know, it, that, that cultural, like you said, that cultural zeitgeist, the, the, the MTV, the, the Jerry Springer's, the, you know, the, again, WWF, at the time attitude arrow is just so entrenched in culture. And that was just kind of, like you said, this feels like a product of that almost that tail end of right before everything changed. Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's not good can... is the thing. No, no, it's not. No, it's very much. Not. <laughs> no, even Wolverine's like, solution to this is to get out of his metal straight jacket by like having to gut himself essentially. Right. And like, you could just tell that he's been, Terry has gone with that as the option so that he can up the gore and the violence of the story. And look, it's a Wolverine story. You know, you can kind of expect this thing to happen, but to your point, Zach, it doesn't seem to have any character or story purpose, you know, like, like for all of the background on Mr. X, he's not interesting. He's not a character I want to spend time with. So like sex and violence was gratuitously violent. But the over-the-top violence was the point. It was, right. here's an artist showcase to do cool, crazy things, to just push it, where this is like, look how mature and dark these comics can be. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm past that part of my life. You keep saying mature, but this is incredibly immature. And in it's in Right. Its that's the, that's the, that's the rub writing. of, oh my gosh, listen. 
<laughs> Frank's not my favorite writer. Let's just leave it at that. Hey, is this better or worse than Sex and Violence, Jason? I, it's worse. <laughs> I think it's verifiably worse. <laughs> verifiably. I like that. I would say this is worse than a story that I think is comparable, which is Wolverine Enemy of the State. That's at 562. I think we're farther down. We are, but um, I have to I have to scroll. Like, I'm at 702. It's I would much What's rather read Spider-Man Storm and Power Man at Smokescreen, the PSA comic about mm-hmm. not smoking. I'd much okay, rather read al- that than this. You always would. But also there's stuff like X X23 Innocence Lost and the Romulus stuff. That's all right here. And I think you're right. This is worse than those. Yeah. Is this as bad is as it? X-Men and Weapon X Noir down at 712 and That's what I was going to say. I think it's kind of worse than Weapon X Noir. Have you read those, uh, Jason? No, the, the, noir the noir books are one of those that I've been looking at tackling soon, but uh, just, just for the pure weirdness of it. If you're going to read just good, one, there's one yeah, good read one. the Wolverine one. Okay. These Weapon aren't, X is bad. <laughs> yeah, X-Men is real bad, too. So... Is this better than X Force Youngblood, Adam? Ooh. Mm. Now, which one is X Force Youngblood and which one's Youngblood X Force? I don't remember. I think X Force Youngblood comes first, so that's the better of the two. But it's still pretty bad. I would, I would actually maybe give this the edge. But then we have Wolverine um, ninety-eight to one hundred down at seven thirty-three. Furnace of his mind, anvil of his heart. Furnace of his mind, anvil having... of his heart is better. That has really good Kubert art in it that I think is makes it better than this. Yeah, that one's better. Um, I think we're scrolling down a bit more. Yeah. Jason, we have X Patrol at 737, another amalgam book. What do you think of that one? Yeah, that was a tough that was a tough one. Um <laughs> I don't I don't know. It might we're in this we're in the neighborhood at least now, I th- I feel like. We're I think we're about in we're getting to the right spot. This is what if Wolverine enemy of the state. Yeah. This is better than what if Wolverine enemy of the state at seven forty six. but it's, it's definitely not as good as the goblin force stuff in mutant X, which is insane and too long, but also like, I like the goblin force. When, when Steve Fox brings the goblin force into dark X-Men, a book that both has maggot and a mushroom girl. I'm in, I'm, I'm totally sold. Right there, right there. Very excited. Um, so is this better or worse than Marvel Girl number one from the ashes, which is pretty bad? That's the one where they re- retcon Annie's uh death. You can, mm. readers, you can't see this, listeners, I guess, but me and Jason are just like, what is there about Marvel Girl from the ashes? Like, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I'm gonna maybe. say this is better. I honestly okay. think that it's worse. For that book to have retconned that origin of Jean Grey than it is for Thierry to do the dog thing. Okay. I'm sure. It's fine. Seven seven forty five for those playing along at home. Okay. So hey. Zach was talking about the, the Gen X nineties and Nihilism. And that and it wasn't nihilism, it was DIY. All right, anyway. I was there. Uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on, wait. Do you think nihilism and DIY are like ideas that cannot intertwine? They can, like, but it was they a, must be it, separated. They are they are opposites. Your DIY is more of a can do as opposed to nihilism is like don't do anything, right? So they are kind no of nihilism opposed. is just nihilism is like none of this really matters not anymore. Nihilism okay. is like an odd way. It's not that they can't. There was definite angst in the 90s. Anyway, that is not what I am talking about. I am talking about, of course, the next book that we are going to talk about, uh, which comes at a critical juncture in American history. Zach, tell us more about The Brotherhood. Jason, you had said you'd never heard about this book before. I had not. So you don't know about the writer X? Do you know who X is? I don't. Enlighten me, please. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we should we should make a point to say that this X is not Mr. X from the last story. This is the writer of this book was solicited as X. So normally when you solicit a book, comes out with who the writer and the artist are to get people hyped. 
This was solicited with no writer. It was anonymous X. And there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of guesses of who it could be mm-hmm. uh, given the time, given the content. Uh, this book comes out in uh, May of 20 or 2001. So this is the same time as the new X-Men relaunch. Like this is tied in with X-Factor. It's very contemporaneous to, or not X-Factor, X-Force, uh, but it's contemporaneous to that 2001 relaunch era. And it feels, it feels in that way. It's approaching things from a bit of a different angle. Uh, the idea of what a brotherhood of mutants would be and mean. And, you know, I think there's, it's very interesting that X is taking this position here. Uh, X was never revealed until 2019 when I'm going to ask Jason, knowing, knowing the comic scene in the year 2001, any guesses on who X might be? Hmm. No, I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to try and fathom a guess to be honest with you. Well, here's the thing. This is a writer who decided actually it would be better if my name was not on this book. Like <laughs> they were like, it will probably sell more if they don't know it's me writing. Which I actually think is a true and accurate statement for Howard Mackey to make. (laughs) Not exactly the writer that you would associate with writing something that was supposed to be revolutionary, right? Like Mackey is more of kind of an old hand who you rely on to write issues of Spider-Man. You know, like there were occasional Mackey stories that we've talked about including what X-Men Unlimited seven, um, but not exactly like a stalwart um, for new and exciting ideas. The stalwart for new and exciting ideas in this book is the artist though, because Assad Ribic does some issues. Uh, the last three are done by Sean Phillips uh, and then Leonardo Manco and Joe Bennett also jump in here. We got some good covers. We got some good artists. Like, this book looks pretty good. I'm going to take issue with that, but keep keep going. Are you? Is your issue Kent Williams inks? No, no. Here, the last three issues look great. Um, let me let me save this because it has to do more with the storytelling. Let's let's okay. talk. Tell a little bit more about what the Brotherhood is. Like, what is this book, and why are there only nine issues of it that we're going to talk about today? Very important. Why there's only nine issues. Jason, the seeds are here for you to figure out why there were only nine issues. We've mentioned it in this episode, but I think it's still going to come as a surprise to you. I, I can, I can only, I can only imagine. Uh, is it, does it, does it have something to do with when these books were being released by chance? It has everything to do with when these books were being released. Uh, no, this, uh, this book is about, a new brotherhood of mutants ran by a man named X recruiting a young boy to join it, join their terrorist organization. They, they promote revolution, not evolution. They do not feel like the governments of the world are going to respect mutants and that the governments of the world are taking active stands against mutants and that they cannot sit around and be, Xavier's pacifists, they have to do something about it. And I do think that Mackie is trying to do something very novel and interesting, at least in the first three-ish issues of this book. Like, he's actually trying to get into the head and say, okay, well, what would it be like in the real world? There probably would be some people who are rising up and doing it. He also makes a very... uh, he makes an observation of, okay, well, it's probably going to be these white guys who expected to have everything go on in their life right and turn into a different thing. And that's consistent with the rise of white nationalist violence that was occurring in the 90s. Uh, you, were, you were seeing that from the revolutionary sects. Uh, so that's something that like I think makes sense. There's a lot of this book that is thoughtful. However, and Adam, I know in, you're about to hit on this, in ideas and execution are different. Um, yeah, this book sucks. Um, (laughs) this book sucks real bad, real bad. So because there's only nine issues, there's three arcs. Okay. The first arc centers around the, this brotherhood, uh, terrorist group 
trying to get this kid named Asher to join. Now, once Asher joins, doesn't really get a lot to do. He's kind of on the sidelines. He does come back by the end of the nine issues um, as one of the three remaining members of this group that are also trying to double cross its leader. But there's a lot of buildup for not a lot of payoff after three issues. We immediately jump into the second arc, which plays into a Patty Hearst kind of story where the rich daughter of a millionaire who has been investing in anti-mutant medical research is turned to a member of the Brotherhood. She gets a little more to do. But then by the time we get to the third arc, and I think by this point, Mackie has gotten his marching orders. It's unclear to me when in the process this book is shutting down. Uh, it's it's almost definitely, they were like, okay, we can, we have to wrap this up in the next arc. Uh, because, yeah. because it's, uh, what is it? Number six comes out in November. Uh, so likely already in process. And then Howard Mackie says, I do not want to write a terrorist book after 9-11. I, and I... C- Completely agree. Fair reaction. Not a great idea. Um, so the last arc is basically, well, the Brotherhood kind of self-destructs and doesn't actually exist anymore. And oh yeah, they're gonna fight um Wild Choice. They're gonna fight Milligan and All Red's X-Force team for what? Okay. And then it ends. And you mentioned the art before. There are some amazing artists here. Right. We got early Ribic. Um, these last couple of issues that Sean does are, are probably the clearest. Big problem with this book is that none of the characters really look that different. All yes. of them are white males with muscular builds that wear overcoats. Nobody has distinctive powers. Nobody has distinctive silhouettes. And it's not really the artist's fault. But because of this, it's very difficult to tell who is who from so, even page to page. So I don't I don't know. Jason, do you agree? Could you could you tell the difference between, let's say, Fagan and Orwell? None whatsoever. You know, and, and especially reading this for the first time prior to recording here, it just it wait, is this is this the kid from the first arc? Is this the mm. the is this the big beefy guy that's now inexplicably dating the the girl that they brainwashed, but never really explained how they brainwashed her. Is this, which one is this? And oh, they then, locked her in a coffin, Jason. And well, then they sure, let her I mean, out. That'll, that'll, That's how you do yeah, it. The, the release that, yeah, that, that'll <laughs> they did it. On your side, one right? guy locked her in the coffin and the other guy was like, we're not locking people in coffins. We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> now I will say, you know, like you said, the art, um, those Bilson Kevich covers on the first three issues, I'm a sucker for his art just in general. Um, so, you know, looking at those, it looked like something I could get behind. And then I started reading it and not sure. Much. Um, but yeah, it's a, it was, it was an interesting read. Um, the, the choice of, of targeting the ecstatics X force at the end. And more specifically, my guy dupe was interesting. They lost me there. Here's, I I think that's a, like, that's the key, key thing that happens between six and, or between six and seven, the Brotherhood loses any pretense of, like, having noble goals and any of the ambiguity of what does a revolution mean against an oppressive government is gone for reasonable reasons, given the circumstances. Yeah, like, okay. Yes, we probably should have handled uh, Iran differently in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and there may be some people that have plenty of good reason to be mad at us. But also, uh, the market, the public was not going to be accepting a book about terrorists in uh, late 2001, early 2002. I also but, think that Mackie... I'm sorry, keep going. You, I interrupted you. I was, I was just going to say, uh, X, their, their leader completely loses the plot. Like he feels like he has a completely different mindset between the first arc and the last arc. And it's very it's not interesting. Well, that's true the whole time. Yeah. I well, mean, he's, 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 he's making some interesting points in the first arc. And the second one is like, 
we must kill Duke to show them to break the heart of mutants. I'm like, wait, what, what are you talking about? X. Yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and to Jason's point, it's a really big, uh, gap between what Mackie's trying to do in these first three issues is trying to kind of do a ripped from the headlines type thing, right? Like he has the riff on Asher and his girlfriend and about pressuring her to lose her virginity. He's got the Columbine subplot that he's, he's weaving into things, which I <laughs> took some issue with. Um, he's doing, a, I get it. I get it. But I also understand with all of this you're book. concerned with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying like, he's trying to do all of these sort of like timely things. Right. And, and, by the time we get to the last arc, it's like, oh yeah, you know, this is, this is an X book and here are some pictures of some X teams and we're going to have an X team in this book. And it doesn't seem to exist in the same reality, you know, um, X force and Milligan and, and, um, all red stuff already seem to exist in an, another universe completely. So to go from this sort of like, what what Mackie wants to be this very grounded thing to something that seems so fantastic at the end, it, it just doesn't, it does not work. You know, the first time I encountered the Brotherhood was in the uh, Ecstatics Omnibus, where Brotherhood number nine is in with no further context, which is oh, kind of the best wild. way to experience this book. <laughs> because Ecstatics are at the end of this after they kill all the Brotherhood, like, because that's yep. what Ecstatics does. Everyone dies, and they're like, that was a weird thing that we all just did. What was that about? And the book ends there. Hmm? It's a, I do love that ending for the book, because it's truly Mackie's like, we were on some stuff for a little bit. That's on us. That That's our bad. It's the, that, that's it, I'm out ending. Oh, hey, 100%. I, I, I think the ending works, even though the book's kind of bad. The X, it, the X-Force stuff is fun. It's, it's one of those books, of like, when... When you start reading it, the first, like you said, the first two or three issues, maybe maybe even just the first issue, had potential to be an interesting book, mm-hmm. you know, visually sure. and the story, the setup of the story. But then, like you said, it, it's it's like halfway through whether the ideas were there or not, and it became less interesting. But whether the ideas were there or not, and then this thing happened that changed the entire world. And they're like, yeah, you know what? Just get away from that. And yeah, there was no backup idea whatsoever. Clearly. Well, that was, that was the thing is you're right. There's potential in number one. I don't know if Howard Mackey is the right writer to realize that potential. No, that's no. And that, that was my point earlier is that of all of the big swings that are going to take place as part of this era, Right. Like Morrison is really the only one other than Milligan to actually pull it off. Right. Like the other books of this era don't really have that same success rate. Right. And Mackie doesn't pulls pull- off something. I don't know what sure. he pulls off, but he pulls sure. off something. Uh, yeah, I know. Anyway, but uh, personal opinion. The, Mackie does not strike me as the writer that has the the stuff right to really try and pull off something that is dealing with this kind of serious content and so it ends up being very flat and flimsy when it could be a really interesting kind of juicy like hbo premieres like you know like prestige television type show i don't i don't think the dynamics are there with his writing you know no that's the issue. That's the yeah. issue. So, wah, wah. Not great. It's not, but I'm fascinated by it. Like, it's just a, this is a weird book that exists, right? Like, they did a terrorist book for X-Men? The fact that it exists is bonkers to me. Um, but I do still think it has, you know, some positives. Like, I is this better or worse than what we just talked about? with that Wolverine arc. That's that's tough to say, you know, taken in totality. I don't know. I guess it's a little better just because it, it, it definitely is trying to do something here, right? Like I would, it's, it's, it's got a direction at least from jump street. 
whether whether or not it loses that direction as the story goes on. And obviously it does, um, but it's trying to do something. I would tend to agree with Jason on that. So I would put I it I would put it above that Wolverine. Okay. Really don't think it can go that much higher though. Oh, I'm not saying like, it goes that much higher. I just <laughs> I this, I think this that can't go higher. I think than that they, I think that the challenging stuff, the challenging stuff in this comic is challenging to like confront the reader and make them think where the challenging stuff in Wolverine is to be edgy and dumb. And I, I will give the merit. I I see more merit in that. I'm going to give a little bit of a a span here. I think this is better than at 742, the soul sword trilogy from Excalibur also has some pretty great Sienkiewicz stuff covers. Hey, fun Uh, fact about the soul source trilogy real quick. Yesterday I had a friend online. Hi, Kevin. Uh, who I don't know if Kevin listens. To I the saw show, this, but if he does, if he does, he's happy about this. I'm sure. Yep. Who said I've never heard of the Soul Sword trilogy? I'm going to start reading it. He makes that <laughs> makes that Blue Sky post. Seven minutes later, he's like, I understand why I have not heard of the Soul Sword <laughs> trilogy. This is a Seven bad minutes. topic, everyone. Amazing. Uh, All right, so this is definitely better than that. Beautiful but timing on that. <laughs> don't think this is as good as at 7:38 Origin. I would probably agree with that between that jason tell me if you've heard if you've read any of these the new mutants volume two arc where rain dates one of her students i feel like i did read that and i feel like it was not good it's been it's been <laughs> yeah, so it's, long it's not yeah. great yeah. you're right on both counts uh what about x-man singular man five to seven yeah. the man who fell to earth that's the stuff just coming straight out of the, Stay, the straight of apocalypse, out. It's like coming into six one six. Yeah, eh, yeah. No, I've definitely read that. Eh. Um, that time this, Wolverine went to the Savage Land in his Larry Hama series and fought Sauron. Mm, no, I don't think I've read that far. I would put this below X Men, but maybe above the Soul Sword trilogy. And Adam, I, I would give the edge to Hama just because I like him more. But that's I want to give the I edge to Hama. Give the edge to Hama. That has some fun Jubilee moments in it. So uh, this is going to be our that's, new seven. That's why I knew you were going to give the edge to Hama. <laughs> Hama Jubilee forever. He knows what's up. Knows how to write her. Um, well, I mean, he also wrote Generation X, and that's not his best work. Uh, no, not that's great. True. No. Lethal, listen, lethal, lethal Larry. He's gonna, he's gonna always swing at the ball, and that's what I appreciate <laughs> about him. Uh. That's our episode. I had fun. Uh, that was a blast. I'm glad. I'm glad to be fun. out of out of our attitude era and into whatever era is next. Uh, I don't know what era is next. Um, yeah, we so don't have fun. any numerically themed uh, eras coming up next, right? Like, I don't. I don't think that's. Yeah. We didn't plan. I mean, for any. we could we can do a hundred episode span to the funny weed number if we want. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I don't want to mention that for like two solid years. Like we, we can do better than that. Guys, we're in our, we're in, we're we're on the road to the funny weed number. <laughs> uh, Jason, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us um, anything you want to promote? Pitch. Where can people find you online? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. This was this was fun. I, like I said, I've been listening to you guys for a while now, so this is cool to actually come on with you. Um, I'm on every form of social media you can think of. Probably even still have a MySpace at Jason Ayers WWE, Twitter, Instagram. Just don't try to find me on Facebook. That's where I do my real life stuff. Uh, also have a silly little Instagram uh, dad joke video that I do with one of the other SmackDown referees at, at Total Zebras. Feel free to check me out there and uh, stay tuned. I'm going to be launching a Twitch stream here before too Ooh. awful long. Uh, go on and hang out and talk some comic books and comic book video games and that sort of thing. So stay tuned for that one. But uh, yeah, uh, reach out. I love to interact. I love to talk comics. I love to talk wrestling to a degree. Uh, I'm easy to get a hold of, guys. I like the idea that you like to talk about to a degree. You're like, at a certain point, you're like, listen, this is a job for me. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the clock all the time. I didn't want to say that out loud, but you know, I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. Jason, I get, everyone's always asking me, Zach, what about this on your HVAC system? What about this? How can I improve my water heater efficiency? Is the DOE making the right choices on their uh, regulations between tankless and tanked product right now? And the answer is 
that's what they pay me for, guys. If you want to pay my salary, I'm more than happy to answer all of this. Jason, if people want to see you ref, when is SmackDown for people who don't normally watch wrestling? How can people so watch currently, it? currently you can tune in to Fox TV, the network one, not the, the other one, uh, every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and then that obviously scales back to 7 Central and onward from there. Uh, pay-per-views, sorry, premium live events, we're calling them now, are on the Peacock Network uh, airing live. I watched one of those. I watched one of those. It was great. <laughs> Uh, next one of those coming up is <laughs> is a week from Saturday, uh, October. I think that's the seventh for WWE Fast Lane. Uh, I will definitely be on that one. I'll be the only guy in stripes with a beard. Are you? Um, are you going to be living life in the Fast Lane? Uh, you know I am. Uh, considering we're back home in Indianapolis for that one. Whoa! Back in good old Indiana. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, you know, next next October we move to USA Network, but we're not going to discuss that yet. Are we allowed to put that on the air? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the, the the press release is out on that. I just I don't know any specifics uh, beyond we're moving. So, all right, cool. I I bet I bet it'll be great. Yeah, folks, Jason, you listen. The USA the Network has a long long history of wrestling content. Is my understanding? Oh yeah. Oh, we go back. Yeah, go back. <laughs> We go back like Cadillac seats is the uh, the phrase I like to use. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great this week. Oh, thank uh, you, guys. All right, folks, you can always follow me on social media. Um, Adam Reck on Blue Sky, Arthur Stacy on whatever Twitter is, and uh, whatever I am on Instagram. Anyway, follow on those accounts. Uh, just did Gene Gray 2 with uh, my one and only Anna. Uh, check that out. That series is awesome. And uh, we're having a blast. Writing about it. Yeah. Um, Zach, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're playing dominoes, Adam. We're playing some dominoes. We're going to we're going to line them up. We're going to knock. Them up. I don't actually know how to play dominoes. Don't you have to match the numbers up? And then what part you know, of I don't know how to play dominoes makes you think you that I would be able with to explain my the finger rules? diagram? Like, I don't know what I'm talking it about. It didn't work. Right? It didn't work. Uh, but until then, folks, this has been Bally Adam. And we hope you survived the experience. Get it!